Hello, my friends, and welcome to another 12 Stone Spirituality Podcast. This is episode number 12, called Langston Hughes, Dancing in the Rain and Silver Bells. So the last time uh, that we were together, uh, we talked about empire uh, and resistance uh, and speaking truth to power and how our faith um, was built and stands in stark contrast to the ways and the means of the empire. And the truth of the matter is, it was a really, really heavy podcast. Um, that was a heavy topic. Uh, it was a heavy podcast. It was, um, I, I think it was challenging. Uh, but at the same time, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it weighed pretty heavy. I know it weighed heavy on me and I'm, I'm sure it did, uh, uh, to you as well, and and so <clears throat> as I was thinking about this week, I, I had some, uh, or as I was thinking about this week's podcast, I had an experience. I was driving home, a uh, long drive, uh, and I had this experience on the drive. Actually, I had two experiences. Uh, I was away. I was doing some work, uh, and <clears throat> I was doing my consulting work, and uh, I was sitting across the table from a from a friend and. We were talking, and uh, you know, usually on these consulting trips, what you what you do, just to give you the inside, what you do uh, is you uh, we we do these listening groups, and we uh, we listen to all kinds of folks, and we're doing a lot of problem solving, and uh, we're we're doing a lot of uh, you know we're creating consensus, and we're we're listening for for overarching trends and all this stuff, a lot of head work. Uh, and and usually when we're eating our meals together, um, the other consultant and I. You know, we're talking about the uh, the things of the church. We're talking about the the, the things that are going on there that <clears throat> we want to write recommendations for, and 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 just different pieces that we want to make sure that we you know serve that church with uh, and and help them out. And so we're problem solving, and and just a lot of uh, a lot of very uh, analytical thought, but. My consultant, my other consultant, and I found ourselves having a conversation. He, uh, he and I were were sitting there, actually eating barbecue, and we start having this conversation. <clears throat> and truthfully, I have no clue how we got there, but all of a sudden, we started to talk about poetry. Uh, we started to talk about uh, poets and poetry and 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 uh, pieces of. Of literature that inspire us, uh, and I think the first one that was brought up, he brought up a poet named Langston Hughes, uh, and we started talking. And Langston Hughes <clears throat> is the first poet, probably Robert Frost and Langston Hughes are the first two poets that I remember <clears throat> being moved by. They're the first two poets that I remember thinking, "Oh, this is different. <clears throat> this is special. This." This takes me to a different place. There was a rhythm and a meter, uh, a flow, uh, a jazz uh, that came from the words and, and the rhythm uh, of, of Langston Hughes' poems. And I, I remember uh, as, a, as a pretty young kid uh, feeling that, that movement inside of me, feeling that rhythm inside of me, feeling that flow in uh, that tempo, in that meter, uh, and, and, and feeling the words, just, just black and white words on a page. Uh, 
feeling them physically move me, uh, emotionally move me, and cause me to move into another place uh, that I had never experienced before. So we, so we continue talking, and uh, I, I talk about uh, some of my favorite uh, people besides Langston Hughes. I talk about uh, a, a guy... Uh, named William uh, Cullen Bryant, <clears throat> uh, who, who wrote a poem, who wrote a lot, uh, but wrote one of my favorite poems called Thanatopsis, uh, and it's a poem about dying. Uh, and and my friend said, you know, he wrote that when he was a young kid, uh, when he was in his early 20s, which blew my mind, because I always, always imagined that he had uh, wrote that poem later on in life when he could start to uh, feel and see death walking towards him. Uh, but he wrote, and it just blew my mind. And, and so we're talking, and we're sharing, and we're quoting these poems to each other. And, and, and from memory, uh, we're, we're both uh, quoting segments of these poems uh, and laughing and, and going to a different place. And then we start to talk about uh, uh, another poem by, um, <clears throat> by a guy named T.S. Eliot. A poem called "The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock," and and we both are laughing and talking and quoting, and 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 talking about how those things make us feel, and 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 about the places they've taken us to, and and in that moment, I remembered something. I remembered that it's been a long time since I felt that passion, since I felt that energy. Now I feel passion about social justice. I feel passion about social issues, about uh, de- de- defending people's rights, and about, about my faith. I feel passion, but this was a different passion. This was this inspiration, this, this elevation, this transcendence that I haven't felt. There's a difference in passion and transcendence. Passion can fuel us to do what's hard, Transcendence can help us see the hard thing that we have to do. Transcendence can help us see the world from a different angle and can give us the vantage point uh, from which to speak and to work and to write and to create. So, today I want to spend uh, some time talking to you about transcendence, about elevation, about getting to a different plane, to a different sphere, to a different level, uh, and how important that is. And and here's the thing, the only reason why I am talking to you right now is because I had a transcendent moment. I had an experience that was not, uh, it, it wasn't based on logical thought. Um, it wasn't based on an analytical statement or a propositional statement. It wasn't based on a fact. Uh, a new set of facts that I uh, that I encountered. It was based on something beyond that, something that moved me, uh, something that made me feel. And so, what I'm going to do, just to start out with, is I want to read you uh, some poems. Uh, I want to read you a few things. And and some of you might be thinking, uh, okay, this is not what I signed up for. Uh, this is this is not the podcast I wanted. No, hang with me, okay? And some of you might be really excited. Some of you might be saying, thank God I'm not listening uh, to, to Stephen anymore. Uh, I'm actually going to hear something good. <laughs> I, I want to I take you uh, into some of these places. And, and then we're going to talk about uh, why it's important uh, and, and, and what you need to do to get back there because you've been there before. You have been there before, uh, and I think you forgot the pathway to get back. 
And so the first uh, reading is from Langston Hughes. It's published in 1925. It's a poem called As I Grew Older. And I think it applies so well to the topic today. Langston Hughes, As I Grew Older. It was a long time ago. I have almost forgotten my dream. But it was there then, in front of me, bright like a sun, my dream. And then a wall rose, rose slowly, slowly, between me and my dream. Do you resonate with that? Do you feel it? Does it call you to something beyond yourself? Does it give you a different vantage point, a different perspective, a different way of seeing where you stand? I want to move to uh, a poem by William Cullen Bryant called Thanatopsis. And remember, this is a poem about death. This is a poem about the, the slow saunter towards the end. And I'm only going to read you a very small section. So it's a long poem, but I'm, I'm going to read you a very small section at the end. Uh, and it's a section that's important to me. It's a section I actually read uh, at my grandfather's funeral. I, I preached my grandfather's funeral uh, when I was 25 years old. And uh, uh, this is how I closed his funeral. So live that when thy summons comes to join the innumerable caravan which moves to that mysterious realm where each shall take his chamber in the silent halls of death. Thou go not like the quarry slave at night, scourged to his dungeon, but sustained and, smooth, and soothed by an unfaltering trust, approach thy grave like one who wraps the drapery of his couch about him and lies down to pleasant dreams. It moves you. It helps you see this thing, this death that we all will experience. It helps you see it in a different way. It reframes it. It puts it into a new perspective. And it changes you. And it moves you. Last time I'm going to read, well not lastly, but uh, out of this section, the last uh, poem I want to read to you is called The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Uh, and it's by T.S. Eliot. And I'm only going to read you the first, uh, the first stanza, uh, the first section. Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky, like a patient etherized upon a table. Let us go through certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights in one-night cheap hotels and sawdust restaurants with oyster shells. Streets that follow like a tedious argument of insidious intent to lead you to an overwhelming question. Oh, do not ask, what is it? Let us go and make our visit. In the room, the women come and go, talking of Michelangelo. I hope you'll continue to read it on your own. I hope you'll take some time and go and look up those poems and, and let them take you to a different place. Now, now here's what I know. <clears throat> I know not everyone uh, gets into to poems, to poetry. It, it, it reignited, that conversation reignited something in me 
that, that made me realize, man, I've got to, I've got to start to read those poems again. I've got to start to immerse myself back into those worlds because those are worlds that are transcendent. They take you to a different place. Um, I want to, I want to read you another piece. One that uh, is poem. Uh, it, it is poem. It, it is beautiful writing, but uh, but it's not written by uh, what we would call a traditional poet. Uh, it is written by <clears throat> uh, an amazing scientist, a guy named Carl Sagan. Uh, and Carl Sagan, uh, he he is um, he was uh, one of the one of the people who introduced. Uh, science and astrophysics and um, uh, the the broader world to most Americans. And uh, Sagan uh, wrote this after seeing the images come back from the very first time we ever saw ourselves, from the very first time we got a view of the earth. Uh, from outer space. And he wrote this about, about that view of the world. And uh, he, it's called Pale Blue Dot, A Vision of the Human Future in Space by Carl Sagan. I'm only going to read you the first part. Look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love Everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every father, every mother, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species live there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. And he continues to go on and talk about uh, how we understand our lives and how we see each other and how if we can see it from what's called a cosmic perspective, our view might change. Our way of understanding ourselves and the world that we live in might change. It takes you to a different place. It helps you see the world and your life in a different way. And here's the thing. It's not just in poetry. It can be in so many other things. Uh, It can be in music. Uh, Last night, uh, I was driving on a long drive, uh, and I I started to let this music kind of wash over me. Uh, And the words uh, and the beats and the rhythms began to kind of wash over me, and I felt something I haven't felt in a long time. Uh, because it it wasn't, well, I, I let it wash. I let it wash over me. Instead of keeping it at a distance, instead of, um, you know, observing the music, I let the music move me. 
uh, and it and it changed and it pushed me and it inspired me and it gave me uh, a different perspective that I have not had in so long. Art can do the same thing. Have you ever went uh, and stood in a gallery and and looked at a uh, looked at a painting, looked at a sculpture? And not, not looked at it and walked by, or not looked at it and studied it for an, an academic purpose, but, but look at it and stand underneath it. That, that's the way I think about uh, observing art, is that I like to go and stand underneath it, uh, to let it lord over me, to let it shadow over me. Uh, and again, using the same language, to let it wash over me, to be immersed uh, in, in it. Um, there have been sculptures uh, that have taken me to a transcendent place, uh, that have moved me. Uh, there have been paintings that when I see them, uh, I, I cry because uh, there is something uh, special, something transcendent about those paintings, about those sculptures, about those pieces of art that, that say something that words cannot say. Our language, as beautiful and as amazing and as transcendent as it can be, is limited. And so things like art and like music can move us in different ways. These are things that cause transcendence. They elevate us and help us see something bigger. They help us get a different perspective. They help us to pull out Remember, the whole, the whole principle of the word transcend uh, or transcendence is to pull out, to move above what is immediate. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, uh, the very first time I ever uh, mowed the yard, okay, and, and we had about 30 acres of land when I was growing up. I lived out in the country. We had about 30 acres of land. We had these two big fields, about 10 acres uh, of, of these two big fields. And we had a rotting lawnmower. And I remember the very first time I ever mowed those two fields. Uh, I remember mowing those fields. Uh, I got on the rotting lawnmower and started out. And my dad comes out and he's, you know, after I finished my first row, and he, he comes running down. He's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm, mowing, I'm mowing the fields. And he said, look behind you. And I looked behind me. And uh, I was all over the place. It was not a straight line. It was zigzagged back and forth. And he said, what were you doing? I said, well, I was just looking at what was in front of me. I was just trying to mow the stinking field. And he said, look, here's when, when, you, when you do this, you have to pick a point in the distance. Uh, and you have to see not what's right in front of you, but you have to see something from a, a greater distance. Now, those are really practical words. Because then I picked a point on a tree on the other side of the field and I aimed towards that and all of a sudden I was making straight lines and everybody was happy. So it was very practical. Uh, However, uh, there's a wisdom in that, that we have to transcend what's immediately in front of us. Sometimes we think that the, the best thing we can do is to focus on what's right in front of us, but that often is the worst thing that we can do. Um, when, when we're feeling uninspired, when we're feeling stale and down, we have to move above. We have to get above and away from the thing that is immediately in front of us and realize that it is just a pale blue dot. As Sagan said, it is but a moat of dust 
suspended in a sunbeam. It's small. There's something bigger. There's a different vantage point from which to see. When you step back and get a view of the bigger picture, that is transcendence. You, you feel something different. You feel something in your gut, in your body, and it takes you to another place. Some of you are remembering that feeling right now. Some of you are going, gosh, yeah, you're right. I, I, I felt that before, but I've not felt it in a long time. You maybe have even forgot that you could feel those things. But you have to. You've got to find these things. It's a part of who we are. We are not made to live life with both our feet always planted on the ground. Jesus, when we think about it from a faith tradition, Jesus um, went to alone places. He went to the mountains. He transcended his environment. He transcended his situation. Uh, he moved uh, to different places to be alone, to gain perspective, uh, to see the world from a different angle. Some of us think about uh, these times of passion and times of transcendence. And, and when we feel that, it, we, I, I guarantee you so many of us are reminded of, of days when we were young, when, uh, from our youth, when we were teenagers. Uh, the very first time we, we held that hand, the very first kiss, uh, the very first time uh, that we heard the song uh, that became uh, the song that inspired us. Uh, the first time that we uh, scored the point or that the crowd cheered uh, because of what we had done. Uh, the first time we drove the car down that dark road a little too fast. Those moments of transcendence, those moments uh, where where we are taken out of our immediate place and we see the world from a different angle. We feel passion. And some of us, some of us, because we haven't felt it so in so long, some of us have fallen into the false belief that transcendence and passion is something that was reserved only for our youth. Uh, that that is only something we could have achieved at one point in our life, and now we are too old to feel that we're in a different place. And I want to I want to challenge you that that is not the case. One of my favorite things to see is my youngest daughter, um, Nora. When it rains, especially when it pours, Nora will go outside fully clothed. Holy cow, fully clothed. She will go outside and she will just dance in the rain. She will hold her arms out. She will stick her tongue out, open her mouth wide, close her eyes, and look straight up into the sky and let the rain wash over her. She will dance and she will splash. She will laugh and she will giggle. And she will come in completely soaked and having had an amazing, transcendent experience. She just dances in the rain. It is not a privilege of the young 
to have transcendent experiences. The problem is, is that we do not put ourselves in places to be inspired. We don't step into the rain because we're fearful. At some point in our life, something clicked in our head. Someone told us something. Someone said, grow up. Someone said, you're more responsible now. Someone said, you have to be an adult. And something clicked in our mind, and we became fearful of walking in the rain. And we became terrified of dancing in it. It's not that we can't achieve these things. We just have to remember how to achieve them. You have to be intentional. You have to seek it out. So much of it comes because we are exposed to new and fresh experiences. Transcendence, inspiration, passion, they come because we are exposed to something new or that we see something old from a brand new angle. When you see a painting that moves you, when you hear a song that says what you have always felt but never had words to express it, when I walk down a 2,500-year-old street and I rub my hands over stones that were hewn from rocks and stacked over two millennia ago, and I feel the history I know that I am part of something bigger, something broader than this moment, something that has been around way before me and that will be around way after me. I am swept up into a moment. That's one of my favorite things to do when I travel. I will touch stones. I will touch things constantly because I feel connected to something bigger than myself something that has a longer lifespan than myself. I feel connected to those who came before me and those who came after me. I feel a part of a story that's not my own. What are those places for you? What are those songs? What are those poems? What's the art? What's the architecture? What's the food? What are the dances? What are the rainstorms that you can dance in, that you can just lose yourself in the moment? Where are those things? What are they? Find what inspires you. What causes that that transcendence? Those things that expand your world and help you realize that what is immediately in front of you is not the only thing. It's not the only thing. Now, I will tell you. I will tell you that some people uh, will, will get that feeling from things that are destructive. Some people will turn to substances that actually harm them, but that give them that feeling. That's not what I'm talking about. Some people will move into behavior that is self-destructive. They'll remember or they'll get a taste of that feeling when you first held a 
uh, a girl or a guy's hand when you were uh, 12 years old and you get that taste of that feeling, you think, oh my gosh, that's passion, that's it. That's transcendence, that's experience. And, and people will have affairs because of that sort of thing. And, and, and that's not what I'm talking about because that's, that's not transcendence. Uh, that's a temporary self-destructive high. And that's not what I'm talking about. Because that actually doesn't give you a broader perspective. It actually harms your perspective. So when you hear me say this, I do want you to, to make sure that, you're, uh, that you avoid those things and that you look for those things. I'm talking about things that do not cause harm, but call us to a bigger and more beautiful place um, that expand your world and help you realize that what's in front of you is not the only thing. So I don't know if you guys remember that's uh, that movie. <clears throat> it's a Christmas movie called The Polar Express. It had Tom Hanks, and it's a great movie. It's based on a book. Uh, and, and there's this uh, ongoing theme uh, in the movie, and it has to do with a silver bell. Uh, and uh, the, the bell rings, and the main character, uh, a little boy, who uh, you know in the movie has... Abandoned the idea of Santa Claus, abandoned the idea of Christmas uh, as as just a made up, um, it's just a made up thing. And uh, there's this bell, the silver bells that they're they're ringing, or they looks like they're ringing, but he can't hear them ring. It shakes and shakes and shakes, and he can't hear it ring. And then he lets go of what he knows. He lets go of what he knows. And he, and he lets himself be washed over by the experience, by the moment. And all of a sudden, he can hear the bells ring. And at the end of the movie, it talks about how uh, the parents can't hear the bell ring. Uh, they could a long time ago. They could when they were children. Uh, but they forgot how to hear it ring. And that there's something that happens to us. Not something that's necessary, but something that happens to so many of us as we, as we grow up, as we, as we turn into adults, that we forget how to hear the bell ring, that we forget what it sounds like, that we forget that we have permission to dance in the rain, that we forget that songs can make us weep and can make us laugh. We forget what it feels like to transcend, and to see more than what's directly in front of us. We have to be intentional about it. We have to seek those things out. We have to put ourselves in places where those things will happen. And I want to encourage you, run. Run and chase it until you find it. Don't chase it in self-destructive ways, but chase it until you find it. Run and look. Try things out. Let yourself go to an art museum. Go back into your playlist. Find some of those things and really listen to them again. Uh, go and listen to Chopin. Go and listen to Chopin's Nocturne. See what happens. Go and look at some classic art. Go and find a sculpture and let it move you. Go read Pale Blue Dot by Carl Sagan or Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Go and let yourself think about death 
in new ways through Thanatopsis. Go and feel the rhythm and the movement of Langston Hughes. And when you find it, breathe it in deeply. Don't let go of it. Let it challenge you. Let it inspire you and move you. Let it revitalize you. Let it give you energy. And then let that energy carry you to what's next. Let that energy give you new perspective. Let that energy cause good and beautiful change in you. Let it give you levity. Because so many of us walk around with 100-pound weights hanging from our shoulders. Let it release you. It will change you. It will revitalize you. And because of that, it will change the world and the people around you. It's not self-serving. It changes. It changes everything. So what, what I want to encourage you, my friends, I want to encourage you, obviously, to go and do good. But maybe today, maybe you just go dance in the rain. Take care, friends.